Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 108. John and Wendy talk to Jen Brown. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing Wendy. well. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I thought I heard Jen. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That is quite all right. Wendy, I am well. I am in Manaka, Pennsylvania in, in my hotel, so I am recording nice. remotely this evening. And yes, my view is of a closed uh, Toys R Us. So you know what kind of fun that is for me. It, it, everything's good. It is hard to believe, as we keep talking about every couple weeks, that we're back to back another month, another chat. Yeah. Chat. Yeah. You know, and John, I think this is the first one that it's us leading. We don't have a co-host at this point. So I'm kind of excited that it's, you know, kind of back to this, to the usual game. Um, you know, no sponsor, just us talking about something that we want to talk about. So with all the chat about uh, chitter chat out there with, about the coronavirus, we thought it would be a good opportunity to talk emergency preparedness. Um, and it's a little more serious than we usually do, but I think we can have some fun with it. Everyone has to drink Corona beer while we're there, maybe something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a great time to have the conversation. Obviously, it's certainly something we're seeing more and more about here uh, in the States and are, are thinking about and contingencies. Uh, it was interestingly enough, as we record today, my younger boy's school and where Heidi teaches, uh, they had a lockdown situation because of someone in the in the area with a weapon. Oh, and uh, it's one of those kind of things, you know, again, thankfully, they're well prepared. They've yeah. got plans, the the police, they know everybody, uh, you know, those officers are, are in the area and kind of know what's going on. So uh, yeah, it took a little close to home today. Yeah. A little scary, but thankfully, everybody's okay. And, and well, that person good. was apprehended. And, and that's hopefully the end of that. But yes, it <laughs> Timing wise, when we talked yes. about doing this conversation, it seemed like it was a, a, a good time to do it. Yep. And so, yeah, you know, every once in a while we'll get a bit more serious and that's not a bad thing. I think it'll be, no, it'll be good not. for us to, to be prepared and see what, what are people doing to, to make yeah. sure that they and their offices are prepared accordingly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the difference between small offices and large offices and how much HR gets involved with some of that. Um, you know, I've worked some places where HR is not involved at all and others where HR is very um, integral to it. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, so don't uh, don't despair because it sounds like a too serious topic for HR social hour. But I think it'll be I think it'll be good. So, yeah. Well, I, I am excited about tonight's guest. I don't know her. I, I've seen about a, a thimble's worth on Twitter. So I know you, you had a chance to speak with Jen and, and spoke glowingly and really looking forward to the conversation. I'm going to let you make the introduction and we will get started. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation tonight. So excited to welcome Jen Brown to the show. She is the founder of The Engaging Educator and her book, Think on Your Feet, Tips and Tricks to Improve Your Impromptu Communication Skills on the Job. It's one of Inc. Magazine's 20 books that will kick off 2020 in the right, on the right foot. She lives in Winston-Salem, North Carolina with her husband, their two dogs, Drumstick and Pickle. That's awesome. Um, and over four dozen houseplants. Um, impressive you can keep two dogs and four dozen houseplants alive at the same time. Um, very impressive there, Jen. Um, Jen, welcome to the show. Again, excited to have you here and, and chat a little bit about you. But our first question is always, what is in your glass? 
Right now in my glass, I have seltzer from my soda stream because I don't like carrying bottles upstairs anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if we've ever had anyone have, say, soda stream. I, I um, think that is the first, Wendy. I think, I think that is the first. Yeah, we uh, we have one and uh, my kids love it. They absolutely love it. So it's one of those things that I think I never thought I would use so much. And, right. and now, honestly, like living in a third floor walk up, I'm like, I <laughs> have no desire to carry things up three, three flights of stairs. And this is so much lighter. And I feel yep. like I'm doing a little bit for the dying planet and all of all the things. <laughs> no more two liters of soda. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> nice. Jen, talk to us a little bit about, you know, you, you took this love of improv and what you were doing there. How did you take that and turn that into an opportunity where you're training groups and working with folks on better communication? Yeah. So I started my career, like you said, in improv, started my whole working life. Before that, worked in customer service, did the whole like, I'm a waitress, I'm a bartender, I talk to people all day. And then when I stopped enjoying being an actor, I went back to school for art history and worked in museums. So I'm working with really academic people, people that have a lot to say, a lot of information. And I realized that they had a really hard time being flexible, listening to their audience, connecting to the people in front of them. Really listening, period, was a tough one. And so I started teaching improv for academics. And then after a while, we ended up getting salespeople signing up for workshops and people that were in management and leadership. And it really is something I think that goes across all spectrums of work and environment, like these these soft skills that we talk about a lot. I think people underestimate how important they are. And and you two don't, because being in HR, you know like how important like listening. And answering the question you're being asked, not the question that you think is being asked is. And so that's really all improv because it's responding to the moment in front of you. Well, I have to ask, do you ascribe to a certain school of improv as far as like Groundlings or UCB or do you get that question much? I do. I one that asks, okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only <laughs> one that has an interest there because I ask and people sometimes are like, why in the world do you know that stuff? But now, well, first, why, why in the world do you know that stuff? I spend a lot of time listening to a lot of podcasts from a lot of people in LA and there's a lot of UCB and a lot of groundlings and, and you know, and I really, I am, I am a fan of the craft and yeah, I'm always fascinated when I talk to people that come out of that improv world, you know, kind of what, what do they do? Because it is interesting how different all those different entities are yet at the end of the day, all those people can interact and have these conversations and, and generate entertainment. Yeah. So I, I was trained at Second City and then I did work at Improv Olympic and then I performed in New York, uh, comedy sports esque. So like short form competitive improv, whose line is it anyways type thing. Sure. And I nice. think like the core of improv is, is what they all have in common. And that's what I, I really lend myself to because I'm never, I'm not just doing sticky short form like you might see at comedy sports and I'm not just doing really long heralds, which you'll see at like UCB and these other places where it's like an hour long or an hour and a half long improv show based off of one suggestion. It's really all the skills that go into making all those styles amazing is what really appeals to the professional world. Because let's be honest, like as much as people think they are funny, 
or want to become funny, a lot of times they are not funny because they are trying to be funny. <laughs> and, right? And so, yeah, so right. when people come into class and they're like, I want to be funny in my meetings, I'm like, you should not try that. Like, um, <laughs> just, just, like just try to try to be yourself in meetings. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not. So I think that those those core improv skills are the ones that I'm most in love with. So like the yes and, the listen and response, that sort of thing. I'm always going to describe to the Michael Scott, I always have a gun. <laughs> like that's just one way to go, right? <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. That was pretty funny because he ended up shooting everybody on yeah. stage. And it seemed like any time he was yeah. out there. What, what could Grinding be to a halt. His <laughs> record scratch and That's just right. a take to the camera of like. That's oh. right. <laughs> well, and, you know, actually that the kind of segues a little bit because I was thinking when you were talking there about, you know, don't try to be funny. Um, it, it's similar to what we heard um, Paul Lieberstein talking about when we were at Embark, which, you know, getting to see someone like him talk about writing and storytelling and all of that. And it was like, you know, the best stories, the best episodes of the office were, were when they weren't trying to be funny, you know, mm -hmm. just everyday life. And I, I like, you know, that's probably, I think every, uh, every leader needs to learn that. And I probably need to share it with some people at work because they love telling a dad joke to kick off a meeting. <laughs> Yes. And, that's, and the thing is like, like real life is funny. Like, right. tell, like I tell people in improv, like whether, whether they be in the program or in classes to become more witty, whether they're asking me like, Hey, I'm taking an improv class in random city, like what insert city. And they, they hit me up on Twitter to ask me what they should do. And it's like, just be like, they, they say there's truth in comedy. And, and that's, what's really funny. Cause if you think of the funniest TV show or the funniest like movie you've seen, and it's because they all believe the reality that they're in and is someone's not there like calling it out or self narrating. And then you think of real life and the moments that you probably laughed in real life. And it's because like reality is so weird and so funny and so awkward. And, and if you try to be funny, that's like, like if you're trying to do anything. So the improv adage of like show don't tell is super important. And if you think about that, that applies across the board. Like you can say that you're a good worker. You can say that you're doing this. You can talk about this, but it doesn't matter unless you're using an action with it right. and unless your actions really tell that. So it ties in across like all disciplines of just existing and being a human. I love it. So Jen, you have created a company called The Engaging Ed Educator to be able to do more training, spread it out because it's not just you. I don't think we've ever asked anyone, what is it like to start a company? And then how did you build your team um, to be able to do teach improv essentially yeah, it's, <laughs> to, to business people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild to start a company. I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I don't know if I recommend it unless you know that you really <laughs> want to do it. Like I've been, sure. we've been in business for about eight years now. And in the beginning it was just me and then a very overworked me. And then <laughs> I hired some of my friends because like legit, I was, this is the time before you could schedule your emails on Google. Oh, and sure. I, I love it now because then I'm no longer concerned that someone's like, why is she emailing me at 1130 at night? And we're all working too much at times. Right. But it was like one, two in the morning and I was coming home from like regular work, teaching an improv class, having rehearsal because I was still performing when I started because it kept me fresh. I was in school 
And so I'm sending these emails to clients like late at night. I'm like, please don't read what time it was sent. Like, please don't look into any of my errors. And so I ended up hiring in the beginning friends, which was is a terrible idea. Like, like looking back on it, like you understand, like hiring your friends is awful. But I thought I needed people that were really good at improv to do what I was doing. And it wasn't that at all. Like I needed someone who was a human who understood how to facilitate things because we're not teaching people, again, how to be funny. We're not teaching people how to create a scene. We're teaching people how to listen. And we're teaching people how to communicate and have a conversation and show empathy and lead a meeting and connect with their coworkers. So in that sense, like it's it's improv, yes, that we're using at its core, but it's more about these facilitation of experiences and helping people from wherever they're at get to a higher place and then also give them a plan to keep using it. You've had this business now for eight years or so. And, and as we talked about in your intro, you wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And- think on your feet. Uh, we've had people that own their own businesses and we've had people that have written books. You know, talk a little bit about that process, you know, so it, it just came out uh, November or so, I believe, right? And what was the impetus to, to write the process for you? What'd you learn from it along the way? I did not seek out to write a book, which is like to say that very clearly from okay. the get-go. <laughs> because I, I'm, I was of the mind for so long that improv is like dancing. Like you have to do it in order to really get it in your bones. Like you can read about listening. You can read about, about presenting, but unless you're actively doing it, then you're not going to get enough out of it. So it was last, gosh, it was um, October of 2018. And I got an email in my inbox and it was from my info account. So it was like the little contact form on my website that was like, hi, I'm an editor with McGraw Hill and I want to talk to you about writing a book. And I'm like, what is this spam? Like this can't, like, this is not how books happen. It doesn't go through your info box. So I emailed back (laughs) and I set up a, I set up a meeting and she asked me to turn in a proposal And the proposal, like proposal for books is very similar to like a business plan proposal. You have to think about your audience and you have to think about why they want it and how you're different from everyone else. So you're kind of filling out like what feels like a resume and an interview for a book. Like, why are you the best person to be doing this? Why, what what skills do you bring to the table? And she came back two weeks after that and was like, okay, we want you to do this. Here's your deadline. Can you do it? And it was like something 11 months, 10 months to write this and, and or to publication, I should say it was three and a half months to get it first draft done. Well, wow. Okay. And wow. so, so I'm like, I have to say, yes, I can't say no to this. This is not a, a no that you say, I'm like, I can do this. It'll be fine. And, and I said, yes. And they were possibly the most miserable three and a half months of my life. <laughs> like I was so mean to people. I was, I was trying to get 1500 to 2000 words done a day. And just so I would have time to edit it. And I was just, just not a fun person to be around. And then now I'm like super happy that it's out and like thrilled and I see all my hard work. But like if anyone asked me ever to write a book again, I would would ask for more time, I think is is one of the bigger things. And and like it's just interesting because now people call me and they're like, oh, I read your book. Can you coach me? And I'm like, they know so much about me from my book or they they know my style. (laughs) And I'm like, 
sure, we can do this. And and it's funny because I know I say things that are very like Jen-isms that, that yesterday I was coaching someone who is, just got a new job and is learning on how to really contribute in meetings because he's really nervous about it. He doesn't know how to successfully contribute. He doesn't know where to start. He thinks that everything he has to say needs to be this big pivotal thing. And, and we're talking and I told him just like, take the first step. And he's like, Oh, you said that in your book too. And I was like, okay, it's very weird. But (laughs) because I do believe in that, like, like for him just in, it's the first step. It's the, the showing up to a meeting and taking notes. It's nodding. It's saying that's a good point. Like that's contributing to a meeting for some people who have never contributed. You can't go from zero to a hundred overnight. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely a weird, um, like the, the original question of like, what, what, what was it like writing a book? Like, I think that it's worth it now. Um, if you would have asked me while I was doing it, I was like, I can't do this ever again. This is terrible. <laughs> but now I'm seeing how many people it can, it can help. And I'm really loving that people are like reaching out and asking questions and asking for more and like not just wanting to work with me, but like, Hey, I want to know what your thoughts are about this. And I think that's really cool because I think that the more people that are better communicators and better listeners, the the easier the world is for everyone around us. So the reach has been really nice. That's awesome. And like I said, I I read it. I love it. Um, I appreciate. I was excited to be on your pre team and um, and uh, read it ahead of time and get a little blurb on on the um, jacket cover. So yay. That was very cool. It was, so. I'm sure that was, I didn't know, some people <laughs> didn't know they were going to be on the cover and be, be like one of the, when they gave feedback and I was like, yeah. oh, I bet that was really weird and also really cool. And I'm, I'm so grateful yeah. for you and every one of the pre-readers <laughs> because at that point it's like, what, what is this? Like, it's just out there right. and you kind of cross your fingers. You're like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Here it is. Here we go. Yeah, mm-hmm, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we do do recommend that folks you go ahead and read it because it, it's really worthwhile. Jen, you know, looking at your your company, the Aging edu- ed- Educators, you have all women on staff, which is fantastic. Um, so, why is working with and you do a lot with women's groups as well? So, why is it important to you to do that work with the women's group and working with a group of women? Why is that important? So I'm really lucky in the sense of my team with EE has been pretty consistent. I think the last time we hired someone was almost two years ago. So that's like in in eight years, that's pretty awesome that we've kept a team together. Uh, A client just like swung around after I haven't worked with this particular one in two years. And she was like, oh, is Jill still with you? Because we would love, but I know people move. And I was like, oh, no, Jill's still with us. And, and she was so excited because it's like, like people stay. So like, it's not necessarily by design that we're all women. That just so happens to be the makeup of the team right now, which is really cool. I think, because I think the, the connection with, with women and how we use our voices and how often we feel like we have to behave in a certain way, if that makes sense, we have to like, like you can't be too outgoing. You can't be too shy. You can't be too loud. You can't be too, and there's, you're either too much or not enough. And I think that that, that holds women back a lot 
especially in leadership positions. So when we are working with, like we have co-ed classes and then we have all women classes or women and non-binary folks. And this idea of, of this quote unquote safe space, which is often overused, like a lot comes out because it's that shared experience that happens. So if, if there's a group of women in a class, we're probably going to get them to share more of their experiences than a co-ed group for no other reason than it, it can be a little intimidating when someone hasn't gone through the same experience as you. And talking about your communication skills, like that's, it's, it's huge because how you communicate, people say sometimes like this class feels like therapy. And, and it truly does. I think even, even corporate workshops, like we could be working with a co-ed team. We could be working with a women's group that's within a team, like whatever the case is, we could be working with public and people that have never met one another before, all different careers, all different levels of their career. And you feel a little closer afterwards because you're doing weird things. You're laughing, you're, you're being really vulnerable a lot of times and it just depends on how comfortable you are with the people in your in the room, how vulnerable. So if you're sharing experiences with someone, and that's not saying they have to be bad experiences, they can also be good ones, that you know you have that connective tissue, you're going to share in a very different way, I think. Definitely. And it's, yeah, like you said, the safety. Um, safety is big. Mm-hmm. It's big with that. So very cool. Well, Jen, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. So what career did you dream of having when you were a child? A paleontologist. Ooh. Hands down. I love dinosaurs still. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't had that one yet. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm so excited. (laughs) Paleontology, I think it's new. My engagement ring actually is uh, amber with a bug in it. So I don't wear it all the time because it's really soft, but like, like legit, like I'm, I'm obsessed. I love it. Jen, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? I think everyone should know Alyssa Carpenter who runs It's Okay, Not Okay. I am butchering. I know I'm butchering her company and what she does. Um, But she is just this, this bright, an amazing light that I've had the like the luxury and the privilege to just get to know. Like she, she, she hired me to help her with so, to level up her speaking, and we've known each other on Twitter for a while now. But I've actually like connected with her in a different way, and I just think she is, she is, she is such a a ball of just goodness, and you don't see that a lot. I feel. And she's just got so many wonderful things about connection and, and talking to people. And, and we're very synergetic in that way. But I think she is just a, a, one, of the, one of the very good, real people that you meet off on Twitter. Um, a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? Listen, build your listening skills every single day. Don't, don't come up with the, this ties into that listening of don't answer the question before it's finished being asked. I think is is huge because that's probably what we see the most of with everybody, but especially new professionals. They like want to show their, they want to show, they want to help, they want to assist. And it's like, take that step back, breathe, really listen and, and practice your active listening because you're not born with it. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, how, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community or your community at large? I absolutely love it because I think that 
my goal as a facilitator and someone that does learning and development is to really empower people not to need me. So like, I want people not to need me. I I was talking to a a client today and I was like, I want to teach you how to do this with your staff yourself and how to make this a consistent thing that is incorporated in, in the growth of your business and in the growth of your department. And then I want you to come to me in like a year when you have a whole new thing, that's like the level up, the step up, or just be like, you know what, Jen, we figured it out ourselves. So I love empowering the HR community to, to be able to use some of these activities. And like that ties into that book too. It was like, here's an activity you literally can pick up, read word for word from this book and do with the team to help your team feel comfortable with one another. So in, in that way, it's that like empowerment sounds weird because it means that I hold the power and I'm giving it to you. Cause I don't like that. It's more like, like giving them the, the tools to like make the magic happen. So nobody needs me <laughs> and go hang out with my plants somewhere. There you go. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? Jurassic Park. <laughs> probably could have guessed probably that Probably should have seen that coming. <laughs> seen that one coming. <laughs> Only the, like, like the first one is great. The second one is, is good. The third one, I cannot stand Taylioni. Like, <laughs> And then Jurassic World is monster movies like that. They're fine. Um, yeah. But the very first Jurassic Park is like that movie that I could turn on at any point and just be like, yes, my it's, life. It's a good it's just a good movie. Mm-hmm. I think I think no, I, I still remember my husband and I watching the third one for the first time. And we're just like, OK, here's what's going to happen. Yep. How about this? Yep. 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 It's, you know, so formulatic that it was wasn't even entertaining. Did you hear they're making a new one and they're bringing back the original cast? Really? I'm so excited. Like wow. La- Laura Dern confirmed it. Oh. And then I know. And um, um, Jeff Goldblum's coming back for more than just like a one-liner. Um, I'm so excited. And because like I was really disappointed. He had like two lines in yeah. the latest Jurassic World. But I could go on about like, I don't even, I don't even get into dinosaurs right now because that's a little weird. Love it. Jen, how about your favorite uh, musician or band? I am a nerdy theater girl still. So my favorite musician is probably any Broadway show tunes, like specifically on repeat. I've had Dear Evan Hansen lately or Hamilton, honestly, still <laughs> forever. Um, because it's it's just that like, like you, I, I mean, you, you guys probably know, like before you meet with a lot of people, before you get in the swing of like having meeting after meeting after meeting, like you need something to jazz you up. Otherwise your soul dies bit by bit. So I kind of try to like pump it up before and then I have all my calls and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not nearly as low as I could be without musical theater. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, you know, before a big meeting, do, do, you know, like the room where it happened or, um, <laughs> for me, it's anything like it's, it's like just that, that feel of like musical theater is the, the reason songs exist in musical theater is because people get so overwhelmed with emotion that they just have to sing. Right. And, and that feeling of like, I'm super pumped. I got this. I'm excited. Like that's kind of how I try to get into stuff. Cause it can be exhausting both running a business and talking to a ton of people and all of that. So I just, so I'm, I'm definitely an introvert in a lot of ways. So I try to pump myself up before a lot of peopling. <laughs> All right. How about a favorite TV show? 
I, I'm going to say it. It's going to be fine. Um, 90 day fiance, honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Jen, are you going to do that? Yeah, you're going to do this. I really like things that'll take me out of the real world. And, and honestly, that that show is such a train wreck. It's, (laughs) It's like, I just watched love is blind with some friends. And then like, we're constantly on the 90 day fiance. And if you need a break, that is like, you just watch that show and you just keep shaking your head and go, what is happening? Um, it's good stuff, though. It's There was an article about how TLC has it made because TV in general is going down. And 90 Day Fiance is like a, a freight train for TLC. Really? Because they're getting so many viewers and new viewers and people talking wow. about the show. So I am not the only one. I might be one of the few that admit it on a podcast <laughs> that will live forever. <laughs> There, there are quite a few people I see tweeting about it. Um, so a lot of a lot of the people in our in our circle tweet about it, um, and it's one of those. No, <laughs> we can come all out and together. And it's like I would never do that. Like I, I, I would never do that if a friend was doing that. I would be like, dude, I need you to watch the show before you right? do this. <laughs> um, but I think I think sometimes like you need that that brain clear. Yeah. And for me, that's what it is. Jen, I think you would appreciate this. So I, I'm, and Wendy can attest, I'm a, I'm a pretty big comic book nerd. And I went to a, a comic book show this weekend or a pop culture show. And uh, there was a gentleman that looked just like Richard Attenborough walking around in a white suit. And he had a cane with an amber knob on the top with a bug in it. I love him. Genius. And I look and I saw this guy and I, and I was with a friend and I'm like, Oh, looks just like Richard Attenborough. Like it was scary how much he looked like him. <laughs> that was one of the one of the better, more inventive cosplays I saw. Oh, he needs Mister. He needs Mister DNA on his shoulder. <laughs> like he did not have that, but and he wasn't walking around with one of those people, those inflatable dinosaurs that you see at everything nowadays. <laughs> the little orange and black number, you know, outfits. That yep. I, there were several of those running around the show, not with him. So <laughs> but that was that was one of the cooler. But I don't. He didn't carry a cane like that in the movie, right? Am I? No, he, he did. He did. Okay. Yeah. It's. I haven't seen that movie since it came out twenty five years. <gasps> yeah. Sorry. Not my. Th- I, and it, <laughs> believe it or not, it's one of those things where I will say the book is better mm-hmm. it, because I read the book twenty five years. Oh, ago. okay. <laughs> that's that's fair. You know, I'll give you. I'll give you that. I think like I saw the movie before the book, and so yeah. I was like, this this is actually good. But yeah, he carried that that cane and like he walks on the the hill and he's like, "Welcome to Jurassic Park." I just remember the cane having a little knob on the top. Yep. Like, okay, fair enough. Well, <laughs> it, it was even better cosplay than I originally imagined. <laughs> I I was like that that bug in amber is like one of those things that I'm like, right. it's there. <laughs> well, if you're not watching Jurassic Park, if you're not listening to Broadway show tunes, and you're not watching 90 Day Fiance, which, by the way, that's the first time that show's been mentioned here. Yeah. And thankfully you didn't say This Is Us, because that's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> what, else, what else do you like to do outside of work? I actually, I have a lot of hobbies now. I didn't have hobbies when I lived in New York, and I moved to Winston-Salem about four and a half years ago, and then I got hobbies because I was like, I have time, and I should be a well-balanced person. Um, so that four over four dozen houseplants is like a real deal. 
Like I love houseplants. So it takes me forever to water all my houseplants. Yeah. I, I'm like in the one corner that has no houseplants right now, which is very, <laughs> but like literally in front of me, like my husband has like a wall of cactus on one side and then there's all plants kind of surrounding me. And then in our living room, I have a uh, over four foot monstera which is uh, the Swiss cheese plant. So I have like a oh. tattoo sleeve of a monstera <laughs> on my arm. I also read thrillers. Um, I, I used to read a bunch of business books actually for, for a very long time. I was like, okay, I need, I need to read business books. I need to learn how to business and be better at this. And right. Cause that's, that's what we think. We're like, right. oh, I have to like my professional development, but I do better work when I give myself that break and that brain break and like read something again, that's totally not, e not even out there. Like it, they're kind of like as law and order as special victims unit in a book oh, okay. sometimes. Um, but also thrillers, like in the sense of like gone girl was in that batch that I read oh, okay. and like sharp objects. Um, the, the woman in the window that's coming out soon with Amy Adams. I read that book first, so I hope I don't hate the movie. And, and those are my big ones, but I also like cook a lot as well. So uh, Thai cooking, we went to Thailand a couple years ago and took a Thai cooking class. So our house is like stocked full with fish sauce, among other things. Um, I, I'm, I have a very robust life. You would have you would have asked me five years ago and I would have said, I work and that's it. Like, I don't have hobbies. What are you talking Who has time for hobbies? And and now I'm like I I love my hobbies, <laughs> but I think I'm I'm like mentally healthier because of them as well. Well, it's like you know, like you said, you need that mental break. You know? Yes. So you can't be working. You can't be doing one thing all the time. You need to get your brain on other things. So. And I think we have that that mentality a lot, even if we're working in like like I run a business, but even if you're working in like a job that you have to monetize your hobby in some way, shape, or form. And someone someone asked me the other day, they're like, Are you gonna teach a houseplant class? And I was like, No. <laughs> no, I would ruin that would ruin houseplants for me. Right. Like and right. so it's it's like just having something that's yours and selfishly so, I think is just just that brain freeing thing that you need in order to do the grind that we all put ourselves through. Jen, it is Jen Brown day all around the world. We're celebrating. What are we doing? We are shopping for plants <laughs> and we are, we are, we are shopping for plants. Uh, we are eating real good food, like good food. Not like, like, Oh, I have to eat to live. No, we are living to eat. Nice. So we're we're enjoying that, and but like like earlier, you're probably covered in dogs. Um, it's like like a puppy pit. Like everyone a puppy gets pit. a dog. <laughs> everyone gets lots of dogs. Um, that that would be Jen Brown Day. Like that would be like, hey, where everyone gets a plant. Everyone gets gets a lesson on how to take care of the plant, so they don't say, "I have a brown thumb," because that's what I hear all the time. Yeah. And then and then we're all eating real good food, and we're covered in dogs. Any particular kind of food that we're eating? I think whatever I, I I like to say, like I wish that everyone liked the same kind of food, but I think it makes it more interesting if we all just have our favorite, um, oh. and not like favorite comfort food, just like the thing that makes you feel good. Like for me, it's it's anything Thai, anything spicy, anything that has like those fun, funky kind of flavors of like you got the sweet and the salty and the umami and all that weirdness going on. 
Um, and it's funny because when I met my husband, he never ate any of this food. And now he's like just as adventurous as I am from just me and osmosis. And, and it's just like, I think you just have to, I understand people that eat to live, but I don't completely trust them because I'm like, there's so much good food out there. Like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just even just try something that's adventurous, not adventurous, just tasty for you. Well, Jenna, it's safe to say, at least in this in this setting tonight with me and Wendy, oh, I, I don't eat just to live. So I, right. I can totally appreciate that. Yeah. I'm with you. And and I, I think Jen Brown Day sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it has been an absolute joy to spend time with you tonight yeah. and to get to know you. I, I know there are listeners that probably didn't know you before this time as well. For those folks that want to connect now, what's the best way for them to reach you out there on social media? The best way is to go to my website, which is jenbrown.co. That's J-E-N, brown like the color, dot C-O. And that connects to my book, my social handles, E-E, everything I do. And so it's a real nice page with all the things all in one and super easy to find as long as you go dot co and not dot com. <laughs> we will have that. We will have it in the show notes to make it that much easier too. Yep. Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for listeners to find you out there? Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily, D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. Um, and of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, please join us at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Twitter for the HR Social Hour Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com. Simple enough. Find the podcast at hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. All your platforms, listen, rate, review, share, anything you can do to help boost the signal. We always appreciate international listeners. Once again, we're going to ask, <laughs> contact us. We'd yep. love to send you a gift for being part of our community. And we really do appreciate you listening. So Jen, again, we really appreciate being with us tonight. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all soon.